Are we being visited? Check in with us. We're going to take calls this hour with Will Hart, and uh, one of his latest books is called Ancient Alien Ancestors. Back in a moment with your calls on Coast to Coast AM. And welcome back to Coast to Coast. George Norrie back with Will Hart as we talk about ancient aliens and also, of course, the possibility of Atlantis. Will, with Atlantis, the way it went down, do you think like the bottom crumbled and everything just happened, or was it like a, a huge tsunami? What do you think happened to them? I think it was both, and even just. I think the sun had very much to do with it, um, and I hope we're not building up to to that kind of a cycle now. That whatever we're building towards is kind of a mini version of that. Yeah, but it was a massive cataclysm that basically you know took took those islands apart. Um, but we have t- two outlier remnants in the Azores and the Canary Islands. Uh, and you, you know that the Azores, that they kept the, the facts that there are pyramids on the Azores and there are many other ancient relics that they lied about for 500 years. It only came out in the last five years. There are pyramids all over the Azores. Why would they lie about that, Will? That's a good question. It's it's just a good question, but they did. I mean, the Portuguese went there. They claimed there was no evidence that human beings had ever lived on those islands. They only admitted it in the last five years and started showing the pyramids that are on the land. I'm not talking about the pyramids that are, you know, submerged, that are on the land. and, and still, most of the public doesn't know it, doesn't know that we have remnants of Atlantis. They're there, and they're on the Canaries, too, because the original culture, the Gonsha that were on the Canary Islands, were white people, but they didn't speak any known European language. And the Spaniards went there, and they were completely mystified by who these native people were. So we have a lot of evidence. People just don't know it. And anthropologists, they'll admit it if you ask the right questions. But they'll totally avoid it if you don't. Why? You know what I'm saying. It's just the way things work. You know, there's politics in there. Yeah. Um, Why they want to, you know, there's this thing in in academia to, uh, you know, they have this, this schizophrenic view of, Plato, that he was a brilliant, you know, scholar and philosopher, but he couldn't tell the truth about Atlantis. (laughs) And he said, I'm telling the truth. I mean, so which way is it? How am I supposed to view him? Anyway, I've I've got a lot of evidence. Uh, Unfortunately, I was ready to publish. I I have a book done. And then I had... uh, Physical ailments hit me, and then COVID and the whole deal. So uh, I'm still yet to publish that book, and I have three other books I'm going to publish. Are you better now? Yeah, they're done, and I just have to get them out there. Let's take some calls. Let's go to our first-time caller, Tabby in Texas. Welcome to the show. Hi, Tabby. Hey, guys. Hey, George. Hi, Will. How are y'all? Good. Hi. Good. Hi. Well, I first uh, want to start off with that, you know, I mean, I've seen some unexplained objects in the sky. Back in the 1980s, I was married to 
um, a rancher in South Texas, and we lived on a 20,000-acre ranch. That's huge. And so we, yeah, I know. And uh, we raised the beef for everybody. <laughs> so, uh, but, you know, obviously the sky was open. It was visible to us in the middle of nowhere. And so, yeah, you know, we knew that it is what it is. But, you know, I was so young and, you know, just kind of sloughed it off or whatever. But what I'm really calling about is fast forward. So about 10 years ago, um, I was awakened at night, in the middle of the night, to like a sound. And I, you know, when I woke up, I had to try to, you know, what is this sound outside? What is this sound? And it just kind of, to me, I mean, the only way I could describe it was sounding like, Something running, you know, a machine. A like a humming engine. sound? I'm sorry? Like a humming sound? Yeah, you know, something was running. I, I, I This is my Pisces mind trying to describe this. Okay, so, um, and it was almost as if it was, I would say it was like kind of, oh, it's over at the neighbors. Like, what's going on? Yeah. Well, it got closer and closer, and then I realized it was right outside of the wall of my bedroom. And then when it actually got inside of my bedroom. Okay, now first I want to tell you guys, okay, because you're going to say, what did you see? I saw nothing because from the time I was a child, I was afraid of the dark, so I always slept the covers over my head. So the covers are over. So I know that the sound is now right next to me beside my bed. And then the covers start billowing with like a wind, like a breeze, and something is going swish, swish back and forth of my whole body. And you didn't peek at all, huh? uh, Y'all, I was so paralyzed. That's the word, paralyzed. I couldn't move. I couldn't say something to my husband who was next to me. And you know what, by the way, that I know that wasn't a dream is because I could hear him snoring. And did he, did he, did he? No, he was not awakened. And it, it went about three passes with the covers, like moving, like it was, you know, you could see that air was, and then it left. And then at that point is when I went and said, get up right now. Something just happened here. What's their motivation, Will, to do stuff like that? You, you mean the uh, the visitors? Yes. Good question. And now you've seen, Tabby, you've seen other things there in, in that uh, the ranch, right? You said you saw objects. Yes. But they were in the distance. Were they just lights, or did did any of them get close? Yeah, you knew that they were not airplanes. They were not. They were, as you described them. But but you didn't see structure or anything like that, right? No, no. We got to see a lot of things on the ranch, right? It sounds like they were trying to connect with you. Do you think it happened? Or not? Or did you resist it to the point where you don't know? Well, obviously they connected with me if if 
if I believe and if anybody else believes what I just told y'all actually happened to me, which I do, um, I guess what I'm asking is what are they scanning you for? See, that's my only description of it. It's what it seemed like to me. But what is it that they want? And are they going to come back? Because I've been in fear always. Are they are they coming back? I mean, well, they may have been trying to uh, abduct you to take you up to their craft. That's possible, Will. It's possible, and it may be just that you know they're communicating, but not trying to you know completely intrude on your space, but to to make contact with you so you become aware of it, really aware. But you're kind of, you know, when you you said you were so frightened that you, you know, they're going to back off then. The good ones will. The yeah, they're going to back off. Thanks, um, Tabby. Because you're not ready to go there, you know, which is your choice. If you don't feel comfortable with it, that's totally your choice. Do you think they entered her room in an oyster? Because she didn't peek at it. She didn't look. Like an orb? That's very possible. Next up, Andrew in Atlanta, east of the Rockies. Andrew, go ahead. Yes, hello, George. Good to hear your voice. Thank you, sir. Mr. Hart, uh, I'll tell you, this is uh, quite a coincidence, the subject matter tonight, because um, coincidentally, uh, I had received a... um, picture tonight from my sister-in-law who's about 140 miles south of where I am in the area of Valdosta, Georgia. When she sent the trans uh, sent this fo- uh, photograph to us, my wife and I, I thought it was something that uh, she had gotten out off the internet or out of a book. It was the sky was crystal clear. The object was very very definable in terms of what what we know or what what's been in the news and uh i'll tell you this object it um it was uh, like a ball a sphere and it had another uh smaller sphere next to it and the color was kind of like a um orange or a um yellowish orange very very bright and very clear and of course, uh, you know the the perception of speed is distorted, as just like it is with a jet airplane. You really don't know how fast it's going. It looks like it's going slow because there's a distance involved there. Great, whatever. But this object was looked like it was still, and it was in the sky for real. I've seen it. I, I can't believe it. And it it was there for an hour. She was in her backyard and observed this object. Do you have any idea what it is, sir? Can I ask you a question here? Are you close to, or was this object photographed close to the ocean? Uh, Well, uh, that would have been 19 miles from the Florida line, and then the ocean would have been, uh, depending on which way the Gulf of Mexico would have been farther to the west, it would have been uh, a couple of maybe an hour and a half, uh, 80 miles or so to the Atlantic Ocean from from the, the southwestern okay. sky where it was seen. Well, this is really interesting. And I don't believe in it's To me, it's synchronicity. But night before last, um, I got uh, 
similar, very similar image from somebody in Florida in the Keys. Um, the way you described it, it's exactly what it looked like. It was a very, it was bright, uh, glowing, and then it had something that you could see was more solid in the interior of it. You think it was the same object, just going through different states? And it was, it was uh, moving very slowly, and then it suddenly disappeared. But but he got a video of it. I saw the video, and it's actually about two minutes long. I was going to do something with it, and then I decided, well, we'll just see. But this is kind of corroboration that these objects are down in that area of the, you know, uh, the southeast. They sure are. Andrew, we don't know thanks. that much about them because, you know, things have been changing in the whole UFO scene where, we're not just seeing discs anymore, these silvery discs. We're seeing all different kinds of objects. Some of them even look sense? like balloons, don't they? <laughs> but they're not balloons. They're not balloons. These are self-luminous, and they're very bright, and no balloon is like that. But and they sort of, you could mistake it, but then when you think about it, you realize, no, balloons don't have that kind of luminosity. And also, you know, these are like, they're going by slowly, and I was trying to get a sense of how far and how large they were and how far, but I, I'd have to be there to try to gauge that. Not only looking at a, an image, you know. So what did the people feel? Were you there seeing he, this or did you? He's, he's gone video? now. He's gone. Next up, let's go to Mike in Fairbanks, Alaska. Welcome to the show. Hey, Michael. Oh, hello, George, and hello, Will. Great show tonight, George. Thank you. Yes, this is a true story that uh, I've, I've, I've told uh, people on Coast to Coast on George Knapp's show a few years back, but I've done some research on this since I saw this. We saw this. It was back in the winter of 0405 uh, in a town called Lawndale, right next to Manhattan Beach. We just got off work. I was a building contractor. We were building a custom home up in uh, Bel Air, and uh, it was uh, cool out. So we were, my mom's place is a construction yard. We every, All the workers usually would meet there after work, and we'd have a bottle of beer and fire up the campfire. It was uh, like the only vacant lots left uh, down in South Bay. And uh, I'm I'm leaning up against my back to the fire, and I'm looking up, I'm looking to the north, talking to Corey and Shane, and my son Mikey, Mike, is talking to RT to the left, and I'm, I'm looking to the north while we're talking and, and BSing, and I, I see something out of the corner of my eye, way up high. I, I look up, and it's traveling, is just about as fast as a missile, way faster than a commercial airline. It's flying at about. I estimate 35, 45,000 feet, way bigger than a 747. And this thing is traveling so fast, you guys. It was uh, That's what caught my attention. Mm-hmm. I have very good peripheral vision. And I, looked to the, and I looked over to the east up in the sky, and this thing was coming out of either Edwards Air Force Base direction or maybe the China Lake Naval Test Center there, knots out in the Mojave Desert. And this thing was moving. And it, it, as it was coming, passing over the top of our heads, I, I'm, I'm, I'm checking it out as close as I can. I said, look, you guys, look up, look at this thing. RT and my son, they kept talking, but Corey and Shane, they looked up. We were watching this thing. It was shaped like a flying wing, 
like a B-2 Spirit bomber, but it did not have the triangle trailing edge. It had scalloped. It had a scalloped trailing edge with three scallops on each wing, and in the center of each wing was an oblong hole where you could see the crystal blue sky through the hole. Through the hole. Right. Through the hole, and the plane itself was like a milky, wispy white. And I mean, this thing was moving. And uh, it was heading towards Catalina Island. Now, when this thing got over and it kept proceeding to the west, to my left shoulder, uh, we're watching it. We're dumbfounded how fast it was. We're like, wow, look at this thing. All of a sudden, blink, it disappeared. Yeah. I mean, it like somebody just flipped the switch, and this thing just flat disappeared in clear blue sky. And I mean, my eyes started watering up. I couldn't believe it. It was like I was dumbfounded. I looked at, I looked at Corey and Shane. I go, you guys see that? They go, what the heck? What? Where'd it go? Where Where does it go, Will? Where does Where do they go to? <laughs> well, that's why I think the interdimensional theory uh, is a pretty good explanation that they can basically flip a switch and they're not not in this dimension. Are they simply they bending? Can, can they be bending? And they can be back in this dimension. I mean, pilots have reported that they, they see them, they're gone, for, and then they see them again. They blink on, they blink off, don't they? That's, that's right. What if they're bending space and time and they disappear like that? That could be, too. I mean, there's so many, uh, you know, possibilities. And they, I guess, you know, they, they kind of push us to keep, to keep thinking, you know, and, and to keep coming up with new knowledge that may be inching us closer to getting it, you know. I'd like to think that anyway. I'd like to think that, you know, we, we can at least approach this. But like he was saying, you can tell that, you know, he's just mystified because when something disappears and you're watching it, uh, it's, it's hard to take. Oh, it's baffling. And your mind just kind of goes, What? Um, but it happens, and it's it's real. And uh, I'm glad people are reporting things. Uh, We're going to come back in a moment, Will, and take some final phone calls with you on Coast to Coast AM. On our next Coast to Coast program, John Lott joins us to talk about his work, More Guns, Less Crime. We shall see what that uh, develops. And later on, Ralph Ellis joins us with his work on Ancient Egypt on Coast to Coast AM. And welcome back to Coast to Coast. George Dory with Will Hart, our final segment. Uh, Will's has a Facebook page. Do you have a website or just the Facebook page, Will? Uh, the Facebook page, but uh, I'm going to give out my uh, my email to so that people can write to me with, uh, I'd like to get, you know, input on uh, UFO experiences out there. Sure. Your list, listeners are having. Give out your email. Okay, my email is Will Wright W R I T E U just the letter U back. Will write you back. Okay, that's yeah. novel. At yahoo.com. Simple enough. Okay, we'll give that out one more time before the end of the program. Sure. Thanks. Back to the phones we go. Let's go to Catherine in British Columbia, Canada. Welcome to the program. Hi, Catherine. Go ahead. Hi, George. Hi, Will. Hi. I I wanted to see what you thought of this. Um, I always wonder, 
under the sphinx, under its paw. I thought the Ark of the Covenant might be under there. They think it's at a church in Ethiopia, the at the oh, base yeah, of the yeah. Sphinx. Well, Ethiopia has quite a history. Um, hey, you know, I I I wouldn't just toss it out. It's possible. And you've heard of the Hall of Records, possibly being at the base of the Sphinx. Yes, I have. What do you think of that possibility? That that also seems quite possible. You know, the Egyptian authority has the place so tightly secured that... Yes, I think they already went there and got it. Yeah, that that could well be. Or they won't let anybody in, you know. Um, it's kind of like that, you know, the pyramid in Indonesia, where they were starting to find things, and it, it apparently they were so mind-boggling, the government shut it all down. Good point. So, they, you know, they couldn't go on with the research. So, yeah, we ran into these kind of blockades. Um, but in Ethiopia, you know, they're they're not going to let anybody out. You know, I don't know if people realize that, you know, the Ethiopian Jews, they, they have very intact texts and um, it's a very important branch of that ancient tradition. So. No, I wouldn't. I would not just throw that out. Let's go to Gary in Willow Valley, Arizona. Welcome to the show, Gary. Go ahead. Good evening, gentlemen. And uh, just to let you know, I'm in an area that has crystal clear night skies. There's no light pollution at all. Aha. Uh-huh. I I came down with uh, COVID last year, uh, and I remember in April of 2020 or 2022 I started seeing the night skies filled with these red specks of light that I mean completely saturated anywhere in the sky that I look have either one of you guys heard anybody else describe seeing something like that because I can I can look in any portion of the sky and within just a few seconds a small group of these red lights will start to move in a uh, as a as a ship. I would call it. I can't see any solid uh, object. I just see red lights that are in a small oval shape. With uh, I believe it looks like a, a five lights, four in each corner and one in the center. Uh, that's in the center of this object. I see this happening every night since April of last year. And it seems that as soon as I look in the sky, this small ship will start moving, only one at a time. But it'll move throughout the entire sky. If I turn in a circle, it goes in a circle. If I stand still, this object will only stay within my peripheral vision. I don't have to move my head, but I can watch these objects move back and forth, up and down. It's just it's like telepathic communication with them. If I want this object to move away from me, it will. If I want it to hmm. move in a zigzag uh, um, pattern, it will. How far uh, away are they? Are they way up there? 
they are so far up, I, I don't see a change in, in size at all. It's like I take my hand, put it as far away from my face as possible, and I'm looking at my little finger fingernail. The size doesn't, sh- doesn't change, and it doesn't either rotate or, or tilt. So I can only see as if I'm looking at the very bottom uh, side of the ships. And it's only and, red? You only I'm see sorry. red? Uh, they're all the same color, light red in color. It sounds like the Phoenix Lights, Will, doesn't it? Say that again, George. Sounds like the Phoenix Lights, doesn't it? No, no, no. This is this is not anything like the Phoenix Lights. These are super small specks. It's like specks of sand in the sky. If you should, if, could you try to take a picture of it? Would anything happen? Or probably too far. I've, I've tried taking the still shots with my iPhone camera. I've tried taking videos. It really doesn't show up because they're so far away. But I've I've drawn out and I've made a a rendition uh, of what I'm seeing. In fact, I've been uh, writing a story about it, and I wanted to send it to you to see because it describes more of the background of why I'm seeing these lights. Yeah, well, I gave, I I gave out my uh, email, so go ahead, send it. Yes, I'll be glad to, and uh, I appreciate it. Uh, it's just, even during the daytime, I can see these objects. Um, they stand out in the daytime, even to me, even more than at night. Interesting. But Interesting. Uh, would, is well, it like possible, Will, that they're points of a craft? Boy, I sure don't know. I'd, I'd like to read and think about it. You know, I'd like to read his uh, account and think about it because I really haven't heard this kind of description before. Have you? No, not like that. Not like that. Next up, let's go to Don in Alberta, Canada. Welcome to the program. Hey, Don, go ahead. Hi, George. Hi, Will. Um, Hi. I didn't want to get into UFOs, but uh, two years ago on um, October 15th at 1.58 a.m., I seen a craft come in on the north. Um, northeast quadrant to the sky it was triangular shaped and um, i think it was about 80 i would estimate 80 90,000 feet as it came through the magnetic field of the earth it was only visible for about uh, five to six seconds um and uh it, it was absolutely it came in right beside the big dipper it was absolutely massive i tried taking pictures with the phone out but by the time i got to the vehicle but it was that was a pointless exercise but what i wanted to get into was uh uh, Atlantis. Um, a lot of people knew that Atlantis was going down and they left, but it was all about power and control. It's the same thing that we're going through. Everything right. comes around again, what we're going through right now. But you've had, um, uh, was it Jonathan Goldberg? Oh, I can't remember his name. Goldman. He has the book of uh, The Effects of Humming. So humming. Jonathan Gold- Goldman. Goldman, yes. And, um, and then you had Shanty Shanty on years and years ago, but uh, actually that's where I had visions of past lives in uh, Atlantis when uh, when I hooked up with uh, Shanty Shanty because they actually came up here to Canada. Um, but the thing is, if, if people would like imagine the Earth being like the size of a, a basketball, holding it in their hands, and think of something you love. It could be chocolate, you know, it could be sitting on the beach, it could be anything, or you can do the meditation thing and project that energy into the earth like by visualizing it smaller it makes it gives you more strength with it 
and then the Earth communicates with the sun on a direct basis. And um, so if, if people would actually meditate and move that energy back and forth, it would dramatically affect the uh, reduce the effects of a solar flare. It doesn't like we've had them miss us, you know, by you know a few million miles this way or that way. But the thing is, is if people would actually take the time, like 10, 15 minutes a day, and project that energy into the Earth and or the Sun, maybe you're a Sun worshiper, I don't know. But the thing is, just take that time because humans are an amazing uh, have an amazing ability to create. They just don't realize their full potential, I guess, is the best way to describe it. Well, everything everything is connected, as you know, and, and each of us is, is part of this whole thing. So do we have an impact? Oh, yes, we do. Every level, our thoughts, our emotions, everything. So people have to, you're right, meditate on that a little every day. Yeah, you don't have to spend half the day doing it. But give it some thought. Give it some energy. Well, what do you think about these supposed UFO crashes? Roswell, Cape Girardeau. What do you think well, of that? Certainly, you know, I'm I'm sure that some of them happened. Uh, Trinity, uh, you know, Jacques Vallee doesn't doesn't fool around when he really seriously investigates something. I'd say Trinity happened. Um, I'm just not so sure, and and. It's a good question because there are certain characteristics of these crashes. Because I wonder, okay, um, we're, we're probably looking at a different and inferior technology to these crafts that are super advanced and way beyond anything we do. And, and it seems like the ones that crash, like at Trinity, I mean, how, how could something from interstellar space crash into an aerial, you know? I mean, come on, don't they have better technology than that? And the one down in Brazil, uh, Baringa, that also seemed to be just a less inferior, you know You know what I'm saying? Yep. Um, the ones, the other ones don't crash. They just don't. Uh, so... I think we're looking at, you know, different different races, civilizations, and so on. And some of them are close to us and beyond. And some of them have this tech, some kind of technology, but it's not that advanced. I don't think they're even that far ahead of where we are. Um, and they end up crashing. And, you know, like the creatures down there in Brazil, uh, even getting captured. But, you know, they all get sent here. <laughs> They get sent Somewhere. to the U.S., and then the U.S. keeps all this stuff. Homestead Air Force Base or somewhere. Let's go to Carl in Tallahassee, Florida. Carl, welcome to the program. Good morning, gentlemen. Hi, Carl. Hi. Uh, it's a pleasure to talk with you, George and Will. I want to tell you guys about an experience my wife and I had about 30 years ago up in Marquette, Michigan. <clears throat> Both my sister-in-law and brother-in-law are professors at Northern Michigan University in Marquette. And we were out in their backyard one night having a beer, just kind of sitting around the fire pit and talking. And all of a sudden, a flock of birds flew over us. And we we figured they must have been seagulls. They weren't calling, but they certainly flew like gulls. But immediately behind, behind that, 
flock of seagulls, an object came across the sky, and it was immense, traveling from toward Lake Superior, toward inland uh, upper peninsula of Michigan. And incidentally, there was at that time a large Air Force base there at Marquette, Michigan, that was said to contain a strategic air command unit, but nobody could really tell because we could, no one could get access to to go on to the base to to determine whether this was in fact true or not. But this object came over us. It was not moving terribly rapidly, but it was moving at a decent speed. It was shaped like a single wing of a plane, and it was moving completely silently. There was not a sound emitted from it. There were no blinking lights on it. There were no lit lights on it or or anything yet, but it just came over entirely quietly and disappeared from our view going toward the Air Force Base. And when this happened, uh, immediately after that, all four of us kind of looked around, and then we looked at each other, and then... I believe it was my brother-in-law said, what just happened? And the four of us agreed that we had really no idea what had just happened, but that we had all four seen the same thing as it went by and was gone. And during the next few days while we were still up in that area, we, we tried to get close enough to the Air Force Base to see things, and I had two very powerful sets of binoculars with me and we tried to use those to to see what we could see on the base and we had no luck and the remaining nights that we were there there was a a little area called Mount Marquette which is where people went to observe for UFOs and shooting stars. Well you saw a great thing to be sure. Well thank you again and uh, we'll get your website linked up at coasttocoastam.com For Dan Galanti Tom Danheiser, Lisa Lyon, Lex Lonehood, Sean Ladasor, Stephanie Smith, Chris Burroughs, Tim Bernal, George Knapp, and Ian Punnett. I'm George Norrie. Somewhere out there on Coast to Coast AM, we'll see you on our next edition. Until then, be safe, everyone.